I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter. You know you're a quilter when you fall asleep with visions of machine quilting dancing in your head. So I took a five-hour-long class in machine quilting last weekend. I've actually been messing around with machine quilting for some time, but I've always been pretty bad at it, so I hoped this class would teach me that one silver bullet trick that would give me instant perfection. A girl can always hope. Obviously, there's never any instant perfection in quilting, or in life really, dang it, but I did pick up a couple of pointers and I got confirmation on some other things I'd read or heard from other people over the years that will be helpful. By the way, before I begin, I want to give a shout-out to the teacher of the class. She's pretty popular in these parts, Janet Root. Woohoo! Unfortunately, Janet doesn't have a website, so I can't give you contact info. But if you ever see her name attached to a class at a quilt store near you, take it if you can. So here are some tips that I've picked up, either from the class itself or along the way of my own previous efforts in machine quilting. Tip number one, practice, practice, practice. Being able to do nothing but practice swirls, meanders, and feathers for five hours not only improved my skills somewhat, but, more importantly, built my confidence. I have a lot of UFOs sitting on my shelf that are UFOs only because I was scared to ruin them with my subpar machine quilting skills. Now I'm feeling a little bit more ready to take them on. Tip number two, enact the 10-foot rule. Whenever I show my family my completed quilt projects, and they give me their dutiful, yeah, that's nice, Mom, I always make them stand at least 10 feet back. From 10 feet, any quilt looks great. Suddenly, points look more pointy, and machine quilting errors become magically invisible. If 10 feet isn't far enough away for you, use Janet Root's galloping horse rule. As she put it during our class, to a man on a galloping horse, that would look just fine. Hey, I'm happy to have galloping horses all over my house if it helps my quilts look better. Tip number three, practice some more. Create a bunch of quilt sandwiches. Actually, I really don't like that phrase. It just makes me feel like I have a mouthful of batting. But, you know, you got to use it. Make those quilt sandwiches roughly 12 by 12 inches or maybe a little bit bigger and keep them by your sewing machine. Each time you sit down to sew, taking even just five minutes to do a little practice machine quilting will help build muscle memory. And those quilt sandwiches are a great way to use up scraps or that bunch of ugly fat quarters you bought and now you have no idea what was possessing you at the time. Tip number four, tension matters. Well, all right, we're talking about a couple of different tensions here. There's the muscle tension that builds up in your neck and your shoulders as you're hunched over your machine and hauling a big quilt around a very little space. That kind of tension matters because you need to stay loose. So take frequent breaks, roll your shoulders around, stretch your back and neck, and look up 20 feet away to give your eyes a break, and so forth. If you get all kinked up, you'll hate yourself later for one, and you'll probably mess up your quilt for another. So stay loose. The other kind of tension, the sewing machine tension, also matters. I tend for some reason to be a little timid about adjusting my tension. I might nudge it a hair in one direction or another, but the idea of really hauling off on it makes me nervous. But during the class, Janet looked at my initial efforts and how my bobbin and top threads were playing together, or not playing together so well in this case, and suggested that I adjust my tension. 
she told me a number to try that was further up the dial than I normally go. That made me feel a little bit bold, so I kept tapping that dial further and further up until I finally saw the results I needed. In my case that day, I think I had to adjust it much higher than usual, because I was using different threads in the top and the bobbin in order to see the contrast that I needed to see for the class. Normally, I use the same type of thread in both. But I had always blamed my issues more on my speed, and I hadn't really thought about tension as much. Now I have the courage to monkey around with my tension settings as well. Besides, that does give me something else I can blame machine quilting mistakes on. It wasn't me. Must have been my tension. I haven't gotten around to playing with adjusting bobbin tension yet. I know that's a much more complex and nervy process. Someday I'll be tackling that one too. But not yet. My psyche can only take one bold step at a time. Tip number five. Wax paper is good for more than wrapping sandwiches. Actually, I don't know that I've ever used wax paper for wrapping sandwiches. Janet showed us a way to create stencils that's a variation on one that I've used before and with other sorts of paper, tissue paper, freezer paper, etc. Janet had us using wax paper, which I hadn't actually tried yet. Getting to compare it with other techniques I'd used before was helpful. The basic method is to create a stack of squares of your chosen paper in an appropriate size and staple them together. Then you trace the quilt pattern onto the top square. Take the thread out of your sewing machine, sew through the squares following the pattern, and that perforates the pattern onto all of the squares in the stack. Then you separate the squares, affix one square at a time to each block as you quilt it, and you use the perforation as your stencil. With the thread in the machine now, you follow the perforation lines, and then you pull off the paper, and voila! Pretty quilting design. You'd have to experiment with what kind of paper you'd like to use best, how many pieces you can handle putting in a stack at a time, and so forth. Now, I'd mentioned I've done this with tissue paper before, and now that I've had a chance to try it with wax paper as well, my personal jury is still out on which one I liked best. Tissue paper, a little less slippery. Wax paper, a little easier to see through. Either one can be a pain to pick out of the stitches, of course. I don't have a strong opinion which one I'd prefer to use for time immemorial, so it probably will depend on which one I happen to have in the house the next time I'm creating a stencil. One note here that Janet did point out to us, and actually I'd had the same experience, don't use the top paper on which you trace the design for an actual stencil. The lines from the tracing might become permanently embedded in the stitching or rub off on the fabric. For the freezer paper technique, we pressed a shape cut out of freezer paper onto our fabric and then we sewed around the outside of it to create the outline shape. Once you peel off the freezer paper, you can then see the outline of the shape, and you can echo quilt it or whatever you choose to do from there. You can use that same piece of freezer paper several times, so it ultimately uses a little less paper than the previous technique would, but it's also a different kind of shape. The freezer paper technique is good for outline shapes, obviously, whereas the wax paper or tissue paper stencil technique is better for complex designs. Now, if you really want to go to town, yeah, you can probably cut out a more complex design out of freezer paper using an X-Acto knife. That's also not something I'm going to be trying anytime soon, mostly because I'm really bad with an X-Acto knife. You can find any of these techniques on the internet, by the way. If you haven't tried any of them yet, I'd highly suggest that you mess around with them a little bit to see if they'd work for you. Tip number six. Practice, practice, practice. And oh, did I mention practice? There are probably a ton more tips I could share with you, but these are supposed to be short episodes, so I'll stop here. And before you think that I just gave away all of Janet's secrets, remember that this is about a six-minute podcast, and she taught a five-hour class, so there's an awful lot she taught us that I haven't even touched on. 
I really did go to sleep that night of the class, with unbidden visions of my hands running a quilt sandwich under the needle, doing swirls, bubbles, jaggedy lines, and feathers. I found myself hoping that the visualization would work for me like it does for athletes, and that when I woke up in the morning I'd be a master machine quilter. But sadly, that wasn't to be. I'm back to my practice sandwiches. Oh, and here's a bit of typical the way things work for you. When my mom passed away, I inherited a wonderful sewing machine that's a little bit too big to take to classes, so my former sewing machine became my class machine. I ordered one of those plexiglass portable tables for it especially to use for this class. It was supposed to arrive the Thursday before class. When did it show up? Tuesday, three days after the class. Go figure. So, I hope this episode has given you some helpful hints, and, if nothing else, the confidence to have at this whole machine quilting thing. Repurpose some of your ugly fabric, admit it, we all have some, into practice quilt sandwiches, and look at it like practicing scales when you're learning to play an instrument. I used to run scales for about ten minutes or so every time I picked up my flute, and then I'd let myself get into the fun stuff. Now I'm trying to get in the habit of running my machine quilting scales, as it were, before I allow myself to get into the fun stuff. Please post comments in the show blog about your own mishaps and successes in the world of machine quilting, and share any tips that you've picked up along the way as well. Meanwhile, until next time, go forth and quilt. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.